Hey everybody and welcome to the board game mechanics. I am Katie and with me as always is Hey guys, what's going on? It is Jason. I dr- I drug that out. Is that your attempt to be in Zany? <laughs> okay, so Jason told me like we could be Zany, but we just have to keep it short. So if you feel that any of the Zanyus is hindered, it's because of him. Yep, I'll take that blame. Because I also have to edit, and the longer the episode, the longer the edit. But I had caffeine before this and some candy. I'm feeling a little weird. Return so. of the dairy. I'm feeling a little wild. It is. It was dairy. It was delicious. Those new Kit Kat bars that are like mint and dark chocolate, they are amazing. And if you put them in the freezer, holy crap. I'm not getting paid for that, but if you wanted to, you know, I'd love to be sponsored by Kit Kats. I'd sing the song and everything. And she said crap this time, so there's no bleep necessary, which is nice. <laughs> you would bleep me anyway. Yeah. Again, at the beginning of the podcast, I want to say that. I did not there's say no, any. There's no proof other than me and the bleep button. People will believe me. I would swear in a stack of Bibles, which sounds terrible also to say that. It does sound terrible. So you probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> but I did not say any curse words in the last episode. So I don't want everyone out there thinking I'm a potty That mouth. is not true. You yeah. said. One was the name of the company. It's a legitimate that's name. That's true. But you also said ticked off. But you said the P word, which I think may not need to be edited, but I did edit it because it was funny. (laughs) So you did technically say one bad word. That was part of the company, the actual company. Borderline bad word. Okay. It's not an actual curse word. I want to point out. (laughs) Borderline. My my pastor grandfather does not like that word, but it's not an actual curse word. That's true. But the bleeping was still funny. (sighs) I just don't want people to think that I'm like some kind of potty mouth. Too late. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's enough Zany banter. Uh, we need to move this along. According to Jason, he's giving me the move along sign like they do. Wrap it up TV. music. I'm going to play some wrap it up music right now. We need to mention Protospiel. Yes, we do need to mention that. So that is coming up in February. And we have a promo code. We've had it for some time, but you can go to their website, which you can find on our Facebook page, pinned right at the top. For your easy convenience. And the promo code is riveted with a capital R. If you can't spell riveted, I will spell it for you slowly. R I V E T E D. Okay, so Katie spelled it faster. But yeah, that's how you spell riveted. Capital R. Go to the website, put that in. One of the badges, I think the designer badge, is ten dollars off with that code. So if you're gonna be there, you might as well go save some cash. That's right. And you should be there if you're close to the South Bend area. Yeah, we're going to try to come at least one day. Not making any promises, but we're going to try. It's not like we have a wild, exciting life. We just have a lot of things that are normal that we do that just happen to come up on a lot of weekends. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But yeah, Protospiel, Zany Banner. And now we're going to just move on to other things. All right, so now we are going to talk about some news. And I have been busy at work, so I didn't do any news. So basically, Katie found the news. I may chime in on some of these, but I'm going to let her take over from here. Um, so yeah, go ahead. Take it. Well, let's be honest. Like, Really, for the past couple of months, you've been terrible at the news. I just want to point that out. It'd be like one thing. You'd be like, oh, Kickstarter's everything good. Just and because I've been phoning it in doesn't mean you have to call me out. I'm going to bleep. I'm bleeping all of you. Don't you bleep Every it. single thing you said is getting bleeped. This podcast is about transparency. Bleep. We are real. Stop it. 
gonna bleep your face. You're so getting bleeped. <laughs> I'm gonna bleep your face. You can bleep that too. Okay, the first one to talk about in news is something that I've been pumped about for a long time because it's a game that I love, and it's the Rococo Deluxe pre-order. Um, gosh, yes, it's an Eagle Griffin, and I already have a copy of Rococo, and it it plays a perfectly great. fine copy of Rococo. It plays great. I love the game. The game is so fun. If you haven't heard them talk about Rococo up till now, you're missing out. Um, but Rococo is a great Euro. You are making dresses and coats and you're deciding where to put them. Um, or if you want to sell them for money, like just lots of great decisions in the game. And so Eagle Griffin is doing a new run of that. It's a pre-order, not really a Kickstarter. And it's starting on January 22nd. And I think... Um, to just get the game plus shipping, it's like $115, which is so out of the budget that Jason would ever spend on a game. Yeah, like by twice. I know, but it has like all the expansions that have been made for Rococo, which including there's one that we have been wanting that is really hard to find and it's kind of expensive anyway. There's one real expansion, which is called Jewelry Box, and there's other ones that are basically just extra dresses. And that would be really cool to play. It would be cool, but it's also $115. And they add a scoring track with like the fireworks behind it, which is, that is cool. really helpful. I'll give you that. That's you cool. You know the scoring is yeah, a problem. The scoring is a pain in the butt. Um, And you can get like like these, instead of like the chits for like the thread and the lace, or no, we don't have chits. We have little They're cubes, man. Cubes. They're cubes in like- They have actual shaped ones. The shaped meeples, honey. The shaped meeples. All right. So let me tell you about this game. We have an, a perfectly fine eagle copy. It's Old not eagle busted. griffin. Old and it's got a perfectly fine dark board. It's got perfectly fine greens and browns. Hideous. It's got perfectly fine statues. It has perfectly fine discs and cubes and scoring chits, which are annoying. I will give you that. But they're perfectly fine. So why do I need to spend $115? I don't. I don't. That's the answer. I don't. It's so it's so beautiful. Oh my gosh! Um, is Eno Tool doing the art? Who's doing the art? Now? Of course, Eno Tool's doing the art. He's like Eagle Griffin's guy now. The art. I mean, you can do so much with art about dresses and like the Rococo period of style and architecture. <sighs> Guys, I really want this, but Jason won't let me get it. I'm being oppressed. <laughs> you are being oppressed, and I don't feel bad about it. So if somebody else is going to order this, like, just, like, send me pictures of your copy, and maybe I could come over and just hold it <laughs> for a little bit. Just touch it. Just touch it. I won't take it. So anyway, that's um, the Rococo Deluxe pre-order. If you don't have this game, it was really hard to find for a long time, and so we snagged an old copy, and so now I'm sure you can find an old copy now since the Deluxe pre-order is coming out, um, but January 22nd is when that's going to start. Yep. So, yeah, if you don't have it, definitely check this out. And if you have $115 to spare, because this version does look really nice. I will give you that. And it's a really, it's an awesome game. It's a great game. Okay, next. Um, this was actually something that was chatted up a little bit today in the Riveted group. Um, the game Return to Dark Tower. So I do not, I did not know anything about this until you guys brought it up. So I did my little research. So Dark Tower is an original game from 38 years ago. So that was before I was born. Not to, you know, date wow, you. Wow, that's an old game. Shut up. Not to date you or myself. But 38 years was before I was born. Not much before I was born, actually. But before. Um, and it had, like, this kind of... 
I don't want to say revolutionary for its time, but this tower that, you know, did stuff and helped kind of orchestrate the game. So it's taken them from what the Kickstarter said, three years to kind of engineer this and design a game, kind of redesign the game from 38 years ago in Return to Dark Tower. It looks cool. Like, it looks like something Jason would hate. But you... um, Oh, yeah. I would totally hate this game. Definitely an adventure game. It's from one to four players. Well, unless you get, like, kickstart some other options. Um, And then they're extra player. Like... Sure, you... It'll kickstart up to six players because we all want to play games at six players because that definitely adds more time oh and makes gosh. it way more fun. Stop. But then you, you've got a character with its own stats and um, its own abilities. You can pick up items that can help um, along as you're like fighting. I don't even know what you're fighting. And then you're probably monsters, demons. I get, I don't, but I don't know exactly what. Zombies, I orcs. I did a terrible job of looking this okay, up. You just Jason's playing. Good job. You're officially a part of the podcast. <laughs> you fight some stuff. and um, But the, the central piece is this tower that you put skulls in. And it's also like will show some glyphs. And so periodically it'll kind of come to life or whatever. And either spit out skulls that go to different buildings. Like increase corruption. Um, or do glyphs that also zap your will or do something to you. But the interesting about thing about this is that it's the gloom haven and like pandemic le- legacy creators have come together to design this game so i think a lot of people are really excited about it um really hoping that it's not just hey let's take an old game and bring it back out for nostalgia but that we get it to a game that people actually want to play and because it's designed by two legacy guys, no one's going to be able to talk about it because they don't want to spoil anything. So you'll never know what the game's about to know if you want to buy it or not. Oh, my gosh. No, they have, like, a video and everything. I saw a bunch of stuff. It funded in four hours. It's already funded. Um, it still has, as the time, at the time of the podcast, um, it'll have 17 days left. <laughs> but it's already funded. Um, they've raised $1.3 of their $850,000 goal. Holy crap. Eight hundred and fifty thousand is what they were yes. wanting. It's yeah, it's still going up as week. It's they already have almost eight thousand backers right now. So this game is hot. I know a lot of people were kind of disappointed with Fireball Island because I don't feel like they really re- reworked that game enough to make it good. People just wanted it because they're like, oh yeah, when I was a kid, that game was cool. And they're like, oh, I'm an adult now, and this game isn't as cool as I want it to be. All right, so you said they had eight thousand backers. Yeah. And they're at what? Over a million dollars? Yep. So that's like $125 per person. Is that how much that thing costs? Yep. yep. One copy. Base game with included stretch goals and freebies, $125. Gosh, I'm never I'm never I'm never gonna be able to buy any new games. Ever. That's like three games for me. I know. Four games. I could get four games for $125. Well, maybe. No, I could find four games for $125. They might be crap. Well, maybe, but they're not $125. All right. So um, Return to Dark Tower, you still have 17 days for that on Kickstarter if you're interested. It's pricey, but if you love the original, it looks like they've done a great job with remaking it. So Yeah, it's from Restoration Games. They always do a bang-up job, even if people were ticked off about Fireball Island. All their stuff looks nice, and you know they give love to the old game. So Right. right. I totally play this. I would totally play this. I would go uh, sit in traffic on a rainy day. <laughs> no. Talk about the next one. All right. So the next one I looked up, because this was also talked about in the Riveted, and 
it was mentioned that there was a thousand dollar pledge and that right there automatically made me hate this game you don't have to. That's not the base pledge. The base pledge is still $100, $125. What's, what's the game? So the game is called Foundations of Rome. It's from Arcane Academy and Emerson Matsuchi, who does Century, um, Azul, not Azul, um, Reef. Um, I think there's another game, but I can't remember There's it. another game I can't remember, yeah. But definitely Century and Reef. So what this game is, from what I could tell, is you're, you have a player board with all these big building miniatures on them. And you get this hand of cards at the beginning where you're going to claim these territories on this grid of a letter and a number. So like A1 through like, I think, J10 or something. You're going to claim those space of these little tokens that you have. And then during the game, you're going to be putting down these buildings where you kind of marked off the grid territory. So you can use those plots of land that you've gotten from the beginning to try to expand your building. So if you put a two space building down, you want to grow that into a bigger building to score more points. I don't know what else happens from that because I didn't get a chance to watch all the video, but that doesn't seem like $125 to me. So you're, you're paying for all the stuff is really what you're yeah. paying for. So, I mean, Emerson designs great games. So just because it doesn't look like it's going to be that fun, it probably is pretty fun, but it's not for me because it's super expensive and I don't know how long it has left. Uh, I didn't look any of that up because as per usual, I phoned it in. So, um, uh, yeah, you go on Kickstarter, look up Foundations of Rome from Arcane Academy. The $125 is the base bid, I, base pledge, I believe. Maybe a little less. $99, I think. I think it's $99. And then there's $125, then there's the $1,000 one. So, yeah, if you like cool bits and pieces, and I think the box will take up like a whole shelf on a Calyx. It's huge. So, if you like that and that's your thing, go check this out. There's 20 days left to go on Foundations of Rome. It's already like triple funded. They have 157,000 plus of 50,000 goal. Cool. So, yep, 20 days on that one. All right. So, the next thing of news I'm going to have Katie talk about because I try not to mention these three letters on the podcast from my lips. I don't utter these three letters because it might make my computer go up in flames. So, you could bleep it. That's true. We could bleep it. I think I might bleep it even when you talk about it because they don't deserve no. any rate. They don't deserve airtime on our channel. So, Katie's going to talk about beep, beep, beep news that came out today so have at it yeah um a lot of stuff's been going on with which um a lot of other people like to play their games and i briefly played some of their games we have i think one of theirs that's not really typical <laughs> yeah it's a party game um so is owned by asmodee and earlier maybe last week they mentioned that they're have shut down their digital segment i actually know some people that work at FFG that have been let go um which is interesting so there's lots of spectra- speculation going around about was it just not profitable um is asmodee gonna sell it or is asmodee gonna be sold all this stuff so some upheaval at FFG. they're probably gonna be bought by amazon <laughs> well i mean we just talked <laughs> about how wouldn't that be ironic amazon kills all the board game stores and then buys up all the board game publishers <laughs> that's creepy getting a little like Nostradamus on my house. <laughs> um, and then just today, which I think we kind of saw coming, um, Star Wars Destiny, which I have played the last kind of. I've played it too. Yeah. They are finishing supporting that game after the Worlds in May of this year. Um, they have released 10 sets and that was kind of all they had talked about. So. I, I can't say that I'm surprised because I feel like 
it's kind of been waning. And for me, I really like the game. Uh, they came up with a couple like two player basic sets that are fun for me just to get out and play, but to play competitively was horrible. Uh, I've been to the worlds, I've been to the nationals and I've met a lot of really awful people who are involved in the meta in that game. And I feel terrible saying that, like everyone was saying that, um, there's something that comes to mind. I think it's called hate the player and not, <laughs> and not the game. Yeah. I think the game is fun, but I think when you get to that level, especially with CCGs, if you can't put in the money and you aren't following whatever deck someone has maxed out mid-maxed um you you can't you don't have a chance so uh i can't say that i'm sorry to see it go because i have like a two-player base set and i will continue to play that when i want to play it um but i know a lot of people really liked that game in the community and so i'm sure they'll find other ccgs to play with and you can always go back to magic oh man i'm so sad that going out of business oh dang it i said the letters they're not going out of business i was just dreaming that i guess don't say that they're just kind of having some new thing, And they may come up with something new. I mean, they have the Star Wars IP. Oh, they will come out with something and new. And you can slap that on everything. And and some other games people really love and I think are really successful. I just think some of their business model practices aren't great. It's a lot. It, it's just like a money hole a lot of times. And I feel like that's all it is. And you love the game and it's interesting. But why do they have to make it so that... Every couple months, you have to buy a new set or you can't remain involved in the game. Yeah, uh, I got nothing to add. I feel like I told Debbie Downer about this whole segment, but I feel like it has to be talked about. I'm excited about it. <laughs> I feel terrible. Oh, my gosh, guys. <laughs> There's some people at FFJ I really love. One of the, um, I'm sad about the people losing their jobs. That stinks. But And I've met, I've met one of the designers of um, Destiny, and I really like him. He's a cool guy, like... So like quietly funny. He used to be like um a uh, like a world's champion for Netrunner back when they were still having that. So he's he's a fun like super smart guy. Um, so this isn't the first time that Fantasy Flight has created the game and killed it. <laughs> well, nope, I can't say that it's true. All right, so I think we've uh, talked about Fantasy Flight enough on this podcast. I know. Let's move on to something that's nice. I feel like a jerk. <laughs> All right, so last week we started a new segment about defining some gaming terminology or gaming mechanisms or just gaming-related stuff that maybe we use on the podcast a lot, lingo, you could say, that we use a lot that people may not know because a lot of people that listen to our podcast are not as deep in as we are. So we wanted to just talk about some things that may help gamers understand when they're on a board game group what people are talking about. So we have four today. Last week we had them kind of in a cute little builder category this week they're just four things well but they're all related to types of games that you'll probably hear people talk about that's true so first i'm gonna talk about ameritrash as jason calls it or ameritrash i've heard both ways trash thrash um ameritrash games are um, they have a prominent theme the theme is actually important um, they tend to encourage conflict between players not necessarily from the game itself to the players which there may be some of that, but between players, sometimes that is the whole point of them. Um, and there's usually kind of a lot of a luck element or some risk management happening. So, for example, your Dead of Winter, like that theme is really important to that game. And there is some luck with how things lay out as you're trying to like not die from the zombies. Um, Star Wars Imperial Assault, Eldritch Horror, 
um, and like Mice and Mystics. So the theme is really clear, especially games like Elder Tor and Arkham Horror. Like the theme is really clear. There is um, kind of that luck with dice rolling, that sort of thing. Uh, these are games that Jason tends to dislike. All right. So to go along with the Ameritrash, I'm going to talk about the opposite side of the spectrum. So Katie was talking about theme. I like games that have no theme. And these games are called Euros or some people who like to, I guess, mock. Dig- yeah, mock them, may call them cube pushers. But I think that's an endearing term because I like pushing cubes. So those people can just suck it. So You need to bleep yourself. I, I probably do need to bleep myself. <laughs> so what a Euro is, is essentially a game that focuses on mechanisms first. So if the mechanism would be dice drafting, there's not going to be a lot of theme to go along with that With that, to make sense of why you're doing that thing. You're going to basically do the actions to score points. There are some There are some that theme, are thematic. Or loose theme. Or colors. Yep. There are colors and words that tell a story. <laughs> So some examples of this, I'll just look at my shelves here. Um, we'll say Marco Polo. That's going to focus more on what you're doing in the game as opposed to telling a story. Right. Uh, we'll also talk about uh, Lorenzo Il Magnifico. There are servants and there's a tower. But you really have- what really what you're doing is it's a worker placement game scoring points. You'd have to stretch to make a story out of that one. Um, Council of Four. Um, there's people, you're trying to bribe them with colored cards, but really what you're doing is you're collecting sets of cards and you're trying to build routes to score a pile of points. So you can kind of see the clear delineation there of not a lot of story going on in any of these games. Actually, and they're not really full of luck either. It's, you mostly know what's going to happen. You can see what's going on. If you're winning or losing, you mostly know that. So it's open knowledge or whatever that is called. You can kind of you're not going to roll to resolve in these types of games because that's craziness. <laughs> so that was Euros. So next, Katie's going to take it to go kind of along with what she was talking about in her Ameritrash. Right. Uh, maybe a more specific version, I guess, of Ameritrash would be what's called Dudes on a Map. Dudes on a Map. I like some Ameritrash, Ameritrash games. I hate Dudes on a Map. So Dudes on a Map, the game board is a map and there are dudes on it in the form of miniatures. And they can vary in size. <laughs> some of them are ridiculously large. And some of them are teeny tiny. Um, usually the mechanics are like game, like area control, area majority. But those mechanics are really less important than the components themselves. Um, so, for example, like Blood Rage or Hammer 40K, which I've never played, but I've seen a billion times. And while that may not always be a map, there's usually terrain of some sort, which I consider to be map-like. Um, classics like... <laughs> Uh, I'm in the middle of my rant. Classics like Risk, Axis and Allies, those are definitely dudes in a map, fighting for control. Again, there's that conflict directly between players. The theme is what matters. Like, oh, yeah, our army is going to take over. But that actual mechanic that's happening is not really big. Um, So that's dudes in a map. And we know, I know, Blood Rage has Euro and Ameritrash, irrelevant for this section. There are big minis. They're on a map. So I agree with this pick. And I may not like it, but there are plenty of other people that love dudes on a map game, games that love Ameritrash, Ameritrash. Um, and I think that that's great. And I'm glad that there are different kinds of gamers. So I just want to put that disclaimer out there because I felt like I was mean in the last segment and I want to come off as a nice teddy bear that I am on this <laughs> segment. Uh, so the last thing I want to talk about, it's not really a thing I know a ton about, 
but it's a term you might hear, so I just wanted to tell you kind of what it means. So that would be called Puffin Billy. It's a Puffin Billy. So I have in my notes here, I have five words, and it's trains, trains, and more trains. <laughs> so basically, what the, this is like a group of people that like to play train games, usually heavier train games like 18xx or like Steam, Age of Steam, those type of games. But they'll also play Ticket to Ride. They will play games that just have maybe a train. It was brought to America on a train. I don't think that's true. I mean, true. <laughs> anything that is train related, these guys will be playing. Or gals, whatever. These people who are part of Puff and Billy will be rocking the train. So, I, Is it an official group or is it just like the kind of people say they're into Puff and Billy? I don't, I know. don't know. There's a group. Uh, there's a section for it at Origins. That's all I really know And some people it. wear like train conductors hats and stuff too when they play Puff and Billy. So it's I don't, cute. Yeah, I don't know a ton about that. But if you ever hear that, I wanted to let you know what that kind of means. So just think Puff and Billy, smokestacks on trains. There you go. There you go. All right. So that is our gaming definition gaming glossary gaming glossary nice hey i'm about the words so on that awesome word alliteration yes we will move (laughs) on all right this week for our call from a member of the riveted we have our friend chris otherwise known as New hotness guy. New hotness guy. Actually, I think new hotness buddy is what I always call him. Yeah. My buddy who always has a new hotness. That's who this is. This is Chris. So we're going to listen to him talk about his games. Hey, guys. This is Chris. I called in to talk about a few of the games I've been enjoying lately and try to explain why I think you should play them too. The first game I want to talk about is called Fabled Fruit. It's an action selection and set collection game about animals trying to be the first to create five fabled fruit juices. To do that, you take actions that are presented as visiting other animals who allow you to gather and exchange fruits, discard or steal fruits, or otherwise manipulate the fruit cards in your hand or in your opponent's hands so that you get the right mix of fruits to complete contracts or produce the fabled juice. It sounds pretty basic, but where the game really shines for me is that it evolves, both as you play it and from play to play. The contracts are at the bottom of each action space so that when you complete one of them, the card comes off the board face down as a trophy in in your own separate area, and a new action card is drawn off the top, becoming a new action space that players can use immediately and going forward in in the rest of the games. These new action spaces can sometimes introduce new mechanics or change the whole game a little bit. I think after our third time or so, my wife and I had a market row to buy from instead of just the cards in our hand or off the top of the deck, another independent piece that we moved around or blocked people were stealed with stole cards with and like nine different action options available with only like one or two of them remaining from the starting setup after each game ends the cards that you turn into fable juices don't go back to the action deck so that each game that you're starting off with new actions that you had available at the end of the last game uh it could contain some of the or none of the actions that you started the previous game with they label it a fable game not a legacy game or a once through because none of the components are modified permanently Nothing's destroyed, there's no envelopes or hidden information, so if you want to start fresh with the same or a different group, you just put the deck back together and play. Uh, I, I was pretty surprised at how much I enjoyed this one. The art looks like something out of the busy world of Richie Scary or a Haba game, so it, it probably projects that it's strictly a kid's game. And it's not the heaviest thing's going to hit your table, uh, but there's still some game there for the gamers and a good amount of fun for everyone. It's a nice family weight game. I think it'd be a good for a group that doesn't want to play back-to-back brain burners all day. I'm pretty sure if you like Abyss, Lost Cities, or Ticket to Ride, you probably enjoy this game too. Another game I've been playing quite a bit of lately is Marvel Legendary. It was the first game my wife and I made a, a purchase of as a gaming couple, one of our go-to games. 
Uh, it pretty much cemented deck building as our favorite mechanic. Uh, their latest entry focuses on shield, the strategic homeland, something, something. Yeah, I'm not even going to pretend like I have that memorized. Uh, the expansion brings in some new officer cards to mix in with the always available Maria Hill cards. Introduces a new mechanic called shield clearance, which makes your cards get better as you accumulate more things in your victory pile. Like most of the small expansions, it's only adding a few modifications to the existing game, uh, bringing in some new characters, and some of them are from the lesser-known dark, dusty corners of the Marvel roster that probably a lot of us haven't heard of. Uh, they're kind of getting stretched for source material, it seems like. But uh, the new officer cards are intended to be used as a permanent addition to that pile um, and used in every game, whether you're using cards from the shield set or not. Uh, so that's cool because it adds new life to what was, in my opinion, one of the worst options you wanted to have to take on your turn, which is buying an officer card. Uh, we've only played with them a couple times, and it already feels like there's going to be a positive change in a lot of the future plays. Um, so that's cool. The last game I want to talk about is Valyria Card Kingdoms. Valyria Card Kingdoms is a dice-driven tableau building game. It's in the same categories like Machi Koro or Space Base. You roll dice, gather resources, then buy new cards to give you other opportunities to buy resources or points. Uh, it's a tried-and-true mechanic, I guess, that was probably made popular, I think, by Machi Koro originally. Uh, the reason I like Valyria over those other card, other type games are... Uh, is that every card in your tableau has two actions on it. One that you take when the dice numbers come up on your own turn, and another you take when the dice numbers come up on any other player's turn. Uh, so in effect, there's there's no downtime. It really keeps everybody engaged, means you're invested in every turn that comes through. It has a fantasy theme instead of city building or space fleet building, which I enjoy a little more. You get to fight monsters, buy kingdoms and domains, recruit citizens, instead of just adding another fish market or some random numbered spaceship to your tableau. I've introduced a couple new groups to both Legendary and Valyria over the past few weeks, and they all enjoyed them. I'm pretty sure I'll expect to be playing those games quite a bit more in the near future. Uh, that's all for me. I could talk for hours about games, but Jason asked me to keep it short and sweet. I probably already passed short, so I hope it was at least sweet. Bye. All right, so he talked about three games in there, and I've played one of them. So the first game he talked about is Fabled Fruit from Freedom and Freeze, hence the two Fs. And um, this is a Fable game where you kind of learn to play as you're playing through the Fable system that he created. It looks really cute. It does kind of look like a Haba game, like he said. And it seems really light, but if he likes it, it might be worth checking out. And see, when Jason always Jason explains this, he's like, oh, you have to learn as you play. So I don't think you want to play that. So I that, have never said you that. You legitimately have. When you just said that, it triggered that memory in my brain. When we've been sitting at the game store, I'm like, oh, look how cute this looks. It looks like it'd be fun. I think it'd be a cool game. Like, no, you learn as you play it. Maybe, you won't like it. Maybe I said that so I could just get you away from it. Because <laughs> I don't want to play it. But based on Chris's very good description, I think this sounds really fun. And I definitely want to play it. That's true. Um, I would play it if he brought it over. We'll say that. May- maybe, unless he brought something better over. Oh my gosh. The next one we have definitely played. I actually mentioned it in my last video that did the beginning of my top 100, which I will release another video this week, hopefully. Uh, and that's Marvel Legendary. But he talked about the newest expansion, which is the Shield expansion, which sounds really cool. The way they're kind of making that action of taking a Shield officer better. Yeah, because Maria Hill, I mean... Mostly, like Chris said, that's just a wasted turn if you have to stop and get a Maria Hill card. That kind of stinks. So it's nice to have other options of lesser options, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah. And like every legendary expansion, it just gives you more stuff. So if you like the game, more stuff is always good. And the last game that he talked about is Valeria Card Kingdoms, which is essentially a upgraded version of Machi Koro. It's the same kind of thing. You're rolling dice and you're getting goods based on cards that you have in front of you. 
I haven't ever played this, but Joel did a review of it, and you can find it on our channel on YouTube if you want to check it out. I don't know. If you Do you know anything about it? I don't. It's the Miko guy that does the artwork, so it all looks pretty awesome. Right. It looks awesome because we have a different Valeria card game. It's the one that's- Quest of Valeria. Yes. Um, which is okay. It's just too, it's too simple and it's too short. It's Waterdeep the card game. Yeah, which I like the actual Lords of Waterdeep because it's more Euro. I don't know. Like I like, I want to, I like card games, but when I, I just feel like this might be not something I would play in the regular because it's a little too easy. Uh, yeah, I, it's probably not my bag of tea or bag of cupcakes or whatever. What are you saying? The term is, I don't know. Not my cup of cup of tea. That's what I'm thinking. Who is serving tea in a bag, you weirdo? <laughs> they you, serve wine in a box. You don't even drink tea. Uh, that's true. Mixed metaphors. So yeah, Chris, thanks for calling in and telling us about some games. And if you're listening to this podcast, we need to get together and have a game day. Yes, Fable Fruit. Let's make it happen. Or should, anything else. Or Too Many Bones. Ooh. Or not that. That burned Or Fable Fruit. <laughs> All right, so we're going to start talking about my favorite section, and that is games played. So I wanted to talk about a new game that's coming out from Grand Gamers Guild that will be hitting Kickstarter in February. Oh, so next month. Yeah, so I did a video for this, but it's embargoed until February. So if you really are excited to watch that, wait till February. I know y'all can't so wait. what this game is, is well, the name of the game is called Garinto. I, I don't know if that's how you say it, but I think so. So this is essentially an abstract game, which is weird because we don't talk about a ton of abstract games here. But what you're trying to do in this game is you're trying to collect elements, different type of elements. There's four elements, earth, fire, wind, and water, and then an element called the void, which I don't really know what that is, but negative elements or something. I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Absence of elements. Basically, what happens here is you're going to take an element from the outside of the board. There's like these 10 spaces on the outside of the board, and you're going to move them into the grid on the board. Based on the element that you pick, it's going to let you collect other elements in a pattern. So, like, maybe the void will let you take up to a certain number of elements based on, on the corners of where you put that tile. Some of the other ones will let you take either two to the left or two to the right or two above and two below. So, what you're trying to do is you're trying to collect different types of elements to score points at the end of the game and also trying to score these goal cards at the end of each round. There's four rounds, which are the seasons, and you're just trying to have more points than your opponent. Um, we played this at two, and I think that's where I like it because you get a lot more turns than you would at a three or four game. So, you can and it's even not a lot more turns. You just get an adequate number of turns. Right, I can't yeah. imagine that you, I would yeah. ever be able to do anything with that. And so I was thinking, why is this name Grinto? Um, Grintos are um, like a Buddhist pagoda. Ah, and so the, the little round marker is a pagoda. So the round marker is pagoda, and also um, there's stacks of these different element tiles and they'll all kind of fit together on the final product. Um, so it's kind of, that's not thematic, but that's kind of the basic. Cause all on each of the, this is considered an Ameritrash game. I think actually all this theme right here, each of the tiles have Japanese characters on them. So it has that rough Asian theme to it, but it is abstract for sure. And I enjoyed it, even though I don't think I, I did, did very well. Um, but there's like goal cards that vary each time, so it's a little bit different. It reminds me like of Othello, which I used to play when I was a kid. And yeah, it is kind of like that. My smart kids class. I liked it because it felt like I, I had a lot more decisions that I could make because every tile operated differently, and I was limited to what kind of tiles were on the outside. And there were the wild tiles that just arbitrarily would show up, and then right. they could be anything, which is pretty awesome. So yeah, my first game is Grinto. 
Yes, great. Um, the game I want to talk about is Home Brewers, which I played before, but I felt like maybe I didn't. I felt like something was missing, or I wasn't playing something right. It just felt weird. So, um, Jason and I got the game and we played it again, and that feeling was still there. So, in Home Brewers, what you're doing is you are a person who's brewing beer for um like a beer like a couple different beer festivals and so you get cards that can be different flavors and they also give you bonuses and you're making like four different types of beer like an ale an ipa a lager and a porter and then you can move up on these tracks um based on you know how good it is the different additives what they give you that sort of thing and you're trying to kind of race to be the highest meet some of these goals based on what different kinds of additives you have that sort of thing um, you have a limited number of actions that are dictated by a set of three dice that you roll. Uh, it, The reason I felt like it, there was something missing is because it has all these great kind of groundwork for a really great engine builder, but it doesn't give you enough time to build an engine. Like, just when you get started, it's over. So I feel, or maybe it's just the way I play, because I love engine builders. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to build up this porter and then the additives I have are going to help me build like every time I make every time I brew one of those it's going to help me raise my IPA because that's on one side and then I'm going to also have it raise my lager because that's on the other side and oh it's going to be great and then you don't get a chance to do anything because you've only got these three actions so I don't know if it's just I can't play this game I'm not good enough at it or I'm using the wrong strategy but I want it I, I think because I want the theme to shine through. and I'm like, oh, I want to make fun beers. I want to try different combinations. I want to do all this stuff and use my character's power. And I just don't have enough time to do that when I should just be making beer regardless whether or not it has any additives or not just to race to the end. And I really hate games that do that. So I think that's why I personally didn't like Homebrewers. Yeah, um, I agree and kind of disagree. I agree that you can't build up your engine enough because you're playing over eight rounds with three actions, maybe four if you have money per round, so possible 32 actions in the game. You're trying to move up four tracks, trying to put cards under these beer kegs or whatever, and there's just not enough time to do all that. But I think there's plenty of times to focus on something. So I was basically just trying to brew beer the whole time because I was going with the player ability that my guy gave me. So my guy said, brew, 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 just keep brewing beer. Well, and mine was get more cards. But so you have to use actions to play those cards. Which is where right. it, the rub is. So, so I was able to play, play a brew two beers with one action essentially every time. So I could move up those tracks faster. Right. Which I think is a flaw in the player powers then. Well, that's because, true. Yeah, could be true. Yeah. So it was okay. But maybe it's just the way I play. Could be. And I'll be doing a review of that sometime here in the near future. As a side note, if anyone cares. Um, so the next game I played is City of the Big Shoulders. I have played this before at four, which took about four and a half hours. And I played it at two, and it took about three hours. And that was including about a 30-minute explanation plus 10-minute setup. So um, what this game is, it's essentially an 18xx without the trains. And instead of having the trains and route building, it adds a worker placement to the board. It's a lot of... Uh, Going to places to gain prestige for your building, for your factories, gather cubes that you can convert into goods when you run your factories, 
Then what you're going to do is you're going to run your factory, sell these goods to the market based on the kind of market squares that are out there. It's how much money you're going to get and how much your goods are worth from your factory. You're going to get this money. Then you're going to split the money up based on whoever owns stock in your company. So 10% dividends, each company has 10 stocks. And then the rest of the money is going to go in your, um, your business. You're trying to have the most money in your personal treasury and across your stocks more than other players, so you win the game. So if you're familiar with 18xx, this game is going to be probably way lighter than that to you because work replacement is probably a little lighter of a mechanism than the route building. So if you want a less complicated, quicker game, check this one out. So that's City of the Big Shoulders. Also going to be doing a review of this eventually. I'm not going to say shortly because I still got to figure it out a little bit, but eventually. I have no desire to play this game. Like, I... I feel like for me, I feel like owning stocks and owning parts of a company is basically area control and cards. And I hate area control. Yeah, it kind of is. So I think that's why I'm not interested in this. Plus, like, the th- I don't like the theme. And You're a businessman from Chicago in the early 1900s or 1800s. Wolf. Like, I'm not. No. It's uh, not Ameritrash, Okay. I know, but it's so boring. I can't handle it. So I want to talk about a game I really like um, that we played. This game's garbage. You love this game. Shut <laughs> up. The game is Merlin, which is definitely my favorite Feld. I do love this game. So we played Merlin. I know you do. We played Merlin with the Arthur expansion. If you don't know anything about Merlin, it's basically a rondelle. You have dice that you use to move your player around the rondelle to take different actions. And then you also have a die for Merlin. If you're playing with the Arthur expansion, you have a die for Arthur and they move around the rondelles as well. And you're trying to collect the most points. It's a Euro. I just, Jason's playing that. Oh my gosh. You did. Uh, so essentially I like to say this is a roll and move failed kind of because yeah. you're rolling the dice and then based on the number of pips on that die, how far you can move your guy. The trick here is your actual player colors can only go clockwise around the board while Merlin and Arthur can go clockwise or counterclockwise. But there's also lots of different things that you can use to mitigate the dice. You've got all these flags that can do things, and you can also fulfill contracts. Um, meanwhile, you're fighting off invaders um, at the same, you know, each round. There's also kind of a stupid side area control board, which I hate. Wait a minute. Okay. So everyone hates this board. It's essentially an area control. You're trying to build these buildings on this little, like, it's called Environs, which is a really stupid name for it. But it's a little, like, map of the town where Merlin's hanging out, I guess. And you're trying to get area control of these different colored territories. I think there's four different colors. And I tell everybody, every time we play, don't ignore this board because you're going to get a pile of points from playing this game. And finally, this game, everybody didn't ignore it, but I still did it better. I never ignore it. It's just annoying. It doesn't fit into my other plans that I'm trying to do. Like, it's stupid. I hate area control. Even when I try to do it, like I did this time, I still couldn't get any area control. Because I did it better. I hate area control. I hate it. If that part went away, this game would be near perfect. No. Like, it would be much higher. I would get, I would get no points if that part went away. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can handle everything else. I'm, like, masterly moving around the rondelles. I'm getting stuff. Making my people work. Getting all my people out. We're going to do a live play of this. No, we're not because I already lose this game. It'll be even worse on live play. I might break 100 on a live play. <laughs> but we played Merlin and it's it's such a good game. Lots of moving parts, which are games that I really love. I just hate the little area control part. 
And so that's the games we played this week. All right. And now for the meat. I said that last time, didn't I? I don't know. Okay. I shrugged my shoulders, but I realize you guys can't hear that. (laughs) I guess for the meat of the podcast, I'll say it again. If I said it last week, it'll be my thing, I guess. So if we do it more than twice. Um, Tonight, we want to talk about, or today, whenever you're listening, our top three party games. And I don't want to say they're necessarily like of my ranking. These are the top three. These are just three that I happen to really like. And I think my concept of party games is a little bit different than Jason's concept of party games. That is correct. So my concept of party games is a game that can play more than six people. So I picked on my list games that feel like a game. Not just like I'm playing a card and you're going to pick your favorite card. So it f- still feels like a game, but I can have a lot of people playing this game. And it plays over six people. So if I have a lot of people, these are the games I want to go to that still make me feel like I'm playing something other than just sitting there telling a story. And for me, yes, party games can be large groups. But I also consider party games to be games that are very relaxed. It's mostly about player interaction um, and about kind of just like um, it's almost more of an activity than a game. So that was my criteria. All right. So I'm going to get started with the good games on this list. Uh, so my first one is a game that I don't know if a lot of people know or have played, and it's called Ladies and Gentlemen. So this is a, a game that Katie really wanted to get, and I was hesitant because, hello, party game. Uh, but we eventually did get it, and we played it maybe four or five times and i was right and katie was right so what this wait, game wait, is, i'm sorry can you say that again no one time Ugh. hit the replay guys <laughs> go back 30 seconds so what this game is is there you're playing in teams so teams of two one player is going to be the lady side and one player is going to be the gentleman side you don't have to be a gentleman to play the gentleman it's just a side of the game this game does kind of follow the normal stereotypes of like the renaissance era or i don't know <laughs> 50s depression era Kind of. It's so, really all eras. It's stereotypical gender roles. <laughs> That's true. So men are going to work at the stock market to earn money, and their women are going shopping to buy a nice dress for the ball. Right. I've never played the the lady role, and I kind of want to. I'm just not. I don't know how to play it, and I don't want to explain it and play it at the same time. So uh, they're going to do this at the same time. So the ladies are going to go to a store, pick some cards that they would like to buy. The guys are going to go flip these little tokens to try to get some different types of things to fulfill these contracts to get a bunch of money. Then the ladies have to pass their cards to the gentlemen without talking to them to try to get them to buy certain types of items to help them in the ball. The trick here is I think you can only have one of each item and you can't get the same kinds of designers. You can get the same kinds of designers. You like, can't have different designers. You Yeah, you can only have so many designers and you actually have some goal cards that make you want to get certain designers. So, But you can't communicate any of that to the gentleman. Like you're trying to get together the highest scoring outfit for this ball and so you're just passing cards over and sometimes you're just taking cards so that other people can't get them and know that they will not at all be paid for but i can't relay that to the gentleman when i'm doing this right yeah so the guys have to assume that the lady is playing the game correctly and giving them only items that they need because if they see well you sent me a dress last round but yeah you're sending me another dress i already bought you a dress why you need another one? So then you can say, woman, I'm not buying this for you. Stuff like that. The old like, 
you know, gender stereotype stuff, which is funny. So yeah, the, if you can find this game and you can get a group of about eight people, it says it plays to 12, I think. 10, I think. Yeah, so I, I, Tim might be Tim might be crazy on the four guys. to ten. Four is too little. Yeah, and Tim would be crazy on the guys' side because the guys are all hovered around flipping tokens at the same time. So I wouldn't do that. So if you can play six or eight, that would be good. Right. So if you can find this game, definitely play it. Don't get caught up in the theme. Just have fun with it, and I think you'll have a good time. So, ladies and gentlemen, and I think even the theme is you can make you can have fun with it. Right, you can have guys play the ladies if you want. That's funny. Yeah, it's funny. And I can teach you the lady side. Actually, the lady side has a lot more thinking to it. Like, that's where a lot of scoring happens. The guy side is mind-numbing. Flip, flip, flip. Hey, I got these three. Yay, done. Oh, it's like real life. (laughs) Yeah, hey. (laughs) All right, moving on to my first game. Uh, Mine is Deception, Murder in Hong Kong. Jason hates this game. I don't hate it. I would just rather play every other game on this list. Yeah, he never, ever wants to play this game. I love this game. So in Deception Murder in Hong Kong, you have one person who is the... Investigator. Investigator, is that what they're called? Uh, no, Forensic... Uh, Maybe it's Forensic Investigator. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll Google it while you're talking. So you have one person who kind of is almost like, I don't want to say the GM, but in some ways you kind of do run the game. Um, in front of each person, you've got six cards, three motives, and like three or th- three pieces of evidence and you've got six cards three weapons three pieces of evidence okay and so um everyone has a role depending on how many people you have you can have mul- like multiple roles not there's just not like the forensic scientist forensic scientist that is it yeah. i just it just came to me as i talked about it. and the murderer sometimes there's an accomplice to the murderer sometimes there's a witness and so th- there are different ways to play with that when you have especially bigger groups. So it has that kind of one night werewolf mafia kind of thing going on. But um, everyone close their eyes. The murderer will then pick a piece of evidence and a weapon in front of one other person, even them or themselves and point to them. Oh no, it has to be in front of themselves. Yeah. I totally screwed this up. Yeah. So someone's someone, whoever's the murderer is going to pick a weapon and a piece of evidence from in front of them. To show the forensic investigator or forensic scientist, and then they will know what the weapon and the evidence is. So then the forensic scientist has to use these, like, cardboard lists. And it'll be, like, time of day and um, weather and all these random things about the murder itself. Sometimes the forensic investigator, you don't know what the crap that has to do with anything. Like, someone picked a fax machine and an earring. And you're like, how in the world... Am I going to make the weather relate to this? So you just do the best you can. You set out, I think, five of them at the beginning. You cannot talk. You just place them out there and you pick one item from each of the lists. And then everyone else at the table is trying to look at those to match those to the cards in front of people in order to determine who the murderer is and what cards they used. That's the basics of the game. I like it because it's got this clue element. It's got the werewolf element. There's so it's hidden roles, deception. It's also like how do we take what the information we know and relate it to what we have in front of us? Um, there's still and and once people get going, they start accusing each other, start making up wild theories. Some people spin a whole story about it. Uh, it's just the kind of setting that I love. So that's deception, murder in Hong Kong. And I don't hate this game. I just one, I don't like party games that much, and this does you don't <laughs> no i am called the king of party games right yes i don't necessarily love party games and th- i don't know this feels 
I don't know. If people aren't getting into it, it doesn't feel right. fun. So that's where I struggle. Sometimes the games can be really fun, and sometimes they're just people sitting there, and that's True. not fun to me. True. So, so the next game I'm going to talk about is a game that has a lot of player interaction and usually makes me mad, but I still like it anyway. And it's called Good Critters. So this is a game. It's essentially um, I'm trying to figure out how to say it. So someone's going to be the Don or the mob boss. And they're going to be divvying up this loot that they took from robbing a place or shaking down a place or whatever. Well, you're trying to, and then they're going to divvy it up across all the other players. And then we're going to vote. All the other players, including the, the Don, are going to vote on if they want to allow that um, split to go through. So you can vote yes, you can vote no, you can vote uh, to um, embezzle or something to take some money off the top of the deck. So if no, if the no's don't win. Then it stays as is. The Dom will stay until the next round. And you can also move this little player pawn you have in front of somebody to try to steal some of their money. Or you can bluff and go to them and play something like embezzle to take money off the top of the card. But they think you're going to steal from them. So then they play a protection card to protect themselves from your stealing that you're not really doing. So it's one of those like where you're trying to outthink people, but you're also trying to make sure you're getting a fair cut of all the money and you're going to get mad. So this is one of the few games that I like that almost every game I'm yelling at somebody because inevitably my nice friends that I like to play games with are always <laughs> mean to me. So it's not just you. Like, it I is don't... me and it's always me at this game. I've specifically heard I'm attacking Jason because I think it's funny. It's like one person that'll do that. And I get attacked just as many. In fact, by you. Because I'm angry. Okay. Which is why I don't understand why you like this game. Like, this game is okay, but I would never choose to play it. I don't know. It, it If I'm going to play a party game, I'm okay with the fighting in it because then it feels like I'm actually doing something. What? That makes... And then you, like, ragged on a mirror trash? Like, that makes no sense. Because I'm not rolling dice to arbitrarily decide if I'm able to rob you or not. But you're flipping over cards to arbitrarily decide. Yeah, but it's a card that I chose to decide if I want to rob you. But you don't know if my card is going to Exactly. So I'm trying to outthink you. That's a better game than rolling dice. Oh, my gosh. I don't get it. So my second game is Good Critters, also known as Tifa Toshin, if you have that old version, which is like political or something. All right. My second game is a classic, a staple. And I don't know if people play it that often, but it's also a great gateway game. And that's Dixit. Um, Dixit kind of works in the same mechanic as um, Apples to Apples and Cards Against Humanity, only it's you're doing it through pictures so it this there's a storyteller and that's the person whose turn it is and that revolves around the circle they will they play a card yes or they say they say a sentence or something they say you can only say like whatever you want yeah i guess you can say whatever you want it doesn't have to be one word it usually should be pretty short yeah um based on a card uh the, everyone's gonna play a card based on the sentence that they say. And then they're trying to guess which card is the storyteller's card. Right. So you pick a card from your hand as a storyteller. You give a phrase based on that card. Everyone picks a card from their hand that matches that phrase. All the cards get mixed up, laid out. Everyone votes. They're trying to get the storyteller's card. Whereas everyone else is hoping to get a card that really looks resembles what the storyteller is trying to say. In order to trick other people to vote for them. Because you get points by that. There are really cute. For whatever reason. The player um, tokens are rabbits. Of various colors. I don't know why. Because they're cute. I guess so. <laughs> I like hedgehogs personally. 
or manatees, but whatever. I wasn't asked. But some of the artwork in this game is so freaking fantastic. Um, the base cards, there's some weird looking stuff in there. And then we, oh, what was the name of the expansion that we have? Oh, I can't remember the name of the expansion. Uh, we have two. We have Revelation and I can't remember the other one. Is Revelation the one with the gold foil? The shiny stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, one of the expansions, the most beautiful one, it has these gold foil cards. I mean, the artwork is amazing. So it's a great kind of entry game for people also because they usually have played Apples to Apples or um, Cards Against Humanity. But this doesn't require reading. It's not vulgar. And the artwork is really pretty to look at. It could be vulgar if people tell vulgar stories. But there's nothing on there. That's true. But like, you could you could just say a dirty phrase if you wanted to. Look at who needs to be bleeped this episode. I didn't say anything bad. I'm talking I'm just about a family you. friendly game, and you're trying to make it into the gutter. I'm just trying to keep. That's what we're, that's what keep, I'm dealing with. Keep everybody, everybody engaged. Now you know. Now you know. Ready to eat already. We'll see who gets bleeped. <laughs> so, um, that's Dixit. Great game. I highly recommend it. If you don't have it, you're looking for gateway games. This is a good one. Yeah, this is one that I've played a lot, and although I don't like party games, I will play this one. I might complain at first, but then I'll finally have a good. Might complain. Okay, I will complain. Uh, the Last game I want to talk about before we get into, well, before Katie says her last one is my favorite party game out right now. It's everybody's favorite party game. Uh, and it is called Just One. So this is a game where uh, I think it can play up to seven. Yes, it can play up to seven or it wouldn't be on my list. So it can play up to seven people. And what you're trying to do is uh, someone's going to flip over a card. that's going to have five words on it. They're going to say a number from one to five. And then everybody else is going to write one word on these little dry erase marker boards to describe that word to that person so they can guess it. The trick here is if more than one person writes the same word, they get eliminated from that person being able to see them and they'll have less clues to try to steer them into getting the word right. You're going to play over 13 rounds and based on the number of cards that you get correct is how well you do. It's like good, awesome, poor, whatever. So there's different rankings and the more cards you get right, the better. But if you get one wrong, you also lose another card. So you may not actually play 13 rounds. You could play 11. You could play 9, whatever. So, But you can also pass, and that'll just lose that card for that round and not the second one. So I really like this game. I would play this anytime. I have to play a party game. Not anytime because I'd rather play other games. But if I'm playing a party game, this is the one I want to pick. So my number one is just one. And it really is my number one because it's awesome. Right. And we've played it. I have, I have played this many, many times. Yeah, you played it more than me. Yeah. And... Um, I even played it with my grandma, who is like, I can't play games. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. And she really liked it, enjoyed it, was into it. So all all different. And I played it with my niece kind of helped play it the last time I played it. Like everybody, all a whole variety of people can play this game. So a good, another good gateway game, something to take over to the family when you're having to get together. Uh, yeah, just one. is great. My last game, I think this maybe is my favorite, actually. Because I've loved this game for a long time. That's true. We have the old version and the new hotness version. Right. And the old version has been mine for a long time. And that is True Colors. True Colors is a game where you are asking questions. Everyone has a color that is assigned to them. And every everyone has two cards that have everyone else's color on them. Two cards of everyone else's color. And um, so there'll be questions like, who would you like to be your boss? And everyone has to vote based on the color of the person that in the group that they would want to be their boss. Or um, 
who do you think is most likely to go to a nudist beach or whatever? Like there's all kinds of random funny um, questions in there. I have played this with my girlfriends a bunch of times and it always ends in giggles and stories and sometimes shocking secret reveals. Um, so this game is really fun. Actually, the, Jason did a review for the new hotness version of this game and it's his most watched video, much to his chagrin. Yeah, it's up there like the top three for sure. I was like, come on, a party game? And Jason doesn't even like this game. He can't stand this game. Uh, as far as party games go, I can tolerate this one. The really? New, the new one especially because it's like 12 rounds. There's a better timer in the new one than the old one to make it shorter. So the new one I like better. It really doesn't take very long. And sometimes people can't understand the scoring because like you then after everyone votes, you can decide, did I get the most? Did I get the least? Or did I get some votes? And so that then is you're deciding what do people think about me? How do people know me? So there's a little bit to it. Yeah, it's, it's kind of gamery. Yeah, in, in that aspect. But most of the time I've played it, everybody plays, we have a winner, and then we just start turning questions over and just seeing it for the fun of it. So that is my number one. If you're looking for a fun time with your friends to see what they really think about you, should I bring up that? <laughs> That's True Colors. Yeah, and I think I would have put this on my list, except for the fact that it only goes to six. I know. That's why I said I have. I think Dixit only goes to six as well. Yeah. So... I, I think I might actually like True Colors a little bit better than Dixit. What? Let's play it. I don't want to play it. Again, party games. So there's there's every other game. I'm doing this thing with my hand where every other game is up real high to the ceiling. <laughs> and then down in this next tier, which is real close to the floor, is he party games. So basically every other game up high, I would play before any of these three that I talked about here. So Except for maybe just one. Oh my gosh. He's ridiculous. And which is why I said my party games, it's not necessarily about the number. It's more about, is it more of an experience or an activity sometimes than an actual game? So there are definitely some we've left out, some that are great. Um, I really enjoy Telestrations. I like that one quite a bit too. It's funny. Very mainstream. I play this with like the latest group at my church. Oh my gosh. There are some little old ladies giggling hysterically when we were playing this. It was so funny. Um, Secret Hitler, again fantastic everyone loves it would have been my number one had just one not existed so good uh beyond balderdash i actually we were watching uh the dice towers like top 100 games tommy v and was it tom who said this I'm or was pretty, it no, sure. i thought it was z oh uh, maybe you oh yeah it was z you're right uh mention this and i play i was playing beyond balderdash like when i was in middle school or something it's been out forever it's been out forever and i really like it because since i'm a word person i love the idea of making up definitions but it always ends up in like making ridiculous definitions yeah every single time i play this game someone always uses the same answer for every single thing so like if if you're afraid of snakes Every answer will have snakes. I had midgets in like yeah. a Every whole single time. game. What's answers. what's a what's your what's a color that's outlawed in um, a, a city? Snakes. Midget brown. <laughs> yeah. So it's just yeah, it's it's silly. Uh, so another game that is on the short list is Taboo. I like to call it Taboo because I think Taboo. it's Taboo. Uh, so this is a game where you're trying to say words in a certain amount of time or describe words without saying the word in a certain amount of time. Wait, and there's like a list of three or four words that you can't yeah, say. You can't say the word. And if you say the word, yeah, I'll do that. Cranium Pop 5. I kind of remember this. You're, I love it's this. It's like so, building with, a, with clay. Cranium has those five different ways of doing Like there's clay, there's drawing, there's charades. Oh, there's two more. <laughs> trivia. Yeah, trivia, yeah. And I forget what the other one is. 
Um, but this, but the Cranium Pop Five that I played, which I don't think they make anymore, and you probably threw out. Um, uh, I think I texted downstairs. I still have it. Ooh, was pop culture? No, I threw it away. I, I knew it. I knew you did. It's downstairs. I'm just going to tell you that I threw it away. I want to play it so bad. It's pop. It's all pop culture related, which I think is fun, and I love games like that. I love trivia games. Nobody else does, but me hardly. So I really loved uh, Cranium Pop Five. Monikers I mentioned last week. Again, just like the homebrewed celebrities game, super fun. Pit is a game I played all the time growing up in youth group. I do like Pit, but I'm so bad. So bad. I don't understand how you're as bad at so Pit as bad. you are. I'm awful. Like everybody has like 500 points. I have like 13. It's it's awful. It's such a fun game. Um, lots of interaction, yelling, loud, trading cards. And if you have the, you have to have them with the bell when you corner the market. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just no good. So next is a game, the one fantasy flight game that I really enjoy, party game. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. And it's called Hoax. Um, so what this is, is it's a game where you have a roll and you're trying to, you have a card that has all the other rolls on it. It kind of is like coup. So you can claim that you're any roll, but then people can call you out for lying. And then you got to vote to see if you're telling the truth or not. If you get voted out, then you're out of the game. But if you they vote and you're who you are you win the game <laughs> so if you say who you are and they vote that you're not you show your guy and you win the game it's a simple party game uh, you're trying to collect evidence so you can see people's cards to see who they are to just determine if they're telling the truth or not it's a little bit convoluted but i still like it i like it i think it's fun and the last game on our honorable mention list is the resistance which is one of katie's favorite party games it is not i hate this game Sorry. Hate is a strong word. Katie highly, highly dislikes this game. It's just not fun. I don't. So the resistance is a hidden social, a hidden role social deduction game where there's going to be some people who are part of the corporation. I think they're going to be, um, I forget what the other role is, but they're like, um, resistance. Oh yeah. (laughs) That makes sense. (laughs) They're resistance trying to take down the corporation from the inside. So they're trying to pretend like they're the corporation and get put on these jobs. But then right at the right time, they're going to play fail cards to make these missions fail. And they need to get more missions fail and succeed to win the game. Uh, it's pretty typical stuff. But the way you have to select teams and try to lie your way out to not have people know who you are is pretty interesting to me. I can't understand why you like this game. Like, I feel like it has everything that you dislike about games. I don't know. I, I can't explain why I like some games and I don't. Okay. I'm allowed to like this game. Sure. You can like it. We're never going to play it. We don't own it because I can't stand I'll it. I'll play this. I'll play Cranium Pop 5 when you play the Resistance. Deal. Get it. Resistance is gone. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find a copy. So I'm sure somebody else has a copy of Resistance that we can borrow so I can play Cranium Pop 5. Yeah. And this, this list is no in no way exhaustive. Like, Party games are like the most popular style of game because they're so accessible for everybody. And there's a bajillion million party games and we have like 19. So yeah. And there are plenty of games actually that I want. There are several games I want to play party games that I haven't played mostly because that's not a type of game that we play that often. But I hope next time you have a big group over that some of these party games will work well for you. Yep. And play what you love. Love what you play, I guess. (laughs) I guess. All right, so that was what we were going to talk about this week. I think we've run this one into the ground and then backed over it again and then... I know we passed the time limit that you wanted. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. I was too busy Jason explaining. Yeah, you knew what you were getting into when you had me co-host the podcast. So 
You're welcome. Yeah, I've talked about that four-hour-long episode that you did with Joel. <laughs> it was numerous, like an numerous, hour and a half times. or something. It might have been an hour and a half, but it felt like four. Oh my gosh. Every bit of four. Okay, well, let's cut this short. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> We've been the Gordian Mechanics. I'm Katie, and keep gaming. <laughs> and I'm Jason. Keep gaming. Um, yeah, the, like, crook is coming out to, like, yank me off stage, like, on the GOG show.